It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to the show. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock this morning. We've got several guests lined up for you on a busy Saturday morning, one week before the start, we hope, still, of Big Ten College Football. The Illini kicking things off next Friday night, 7 o'clock, against the Wisconsin Badgers in Madison. We'll talk more about that as we move along. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. You ready for some football? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hope we get there, right? There's, <laughs> well, there's like eight you know, or nine. The, uh, the game. SEC is moving right along, but they're losing games left and right. But they're not losing them; they're just postponing, right. switching around, having to change the schedule. There's about eight games postponed this weekend total in college football. The problem that the Big Ten will have if they get to that point is there's no wiggle room, there's no, no shuffling, there's no dates. Yeah. So unless they play earlier, in the they week, had it but figured they, out right the first time. Yes, they did. They just need to go forward with that. They'd have all these alternate dates. They'd be a lot better off. But it's not going to be easy, and there will be games lost. There's no question. If you missed it in the uh, baseball playoffs last night, they continue. The Dodgers stayed alive with a 7-3 to win over the Braves. Atlanta now leads that uh, best of seven, three games to two, with uh, the next game coming this afternoon at 3.30. So many guys walk up to that plate with the ability to hit a home run. You just don't know when it's going to happen. Strikeout, 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 home run. Will Smith last night, when you least expected it. Will Smith hit the home run off Will Smith. That's right. <laughs> That's not <laughs> something you'll see every day. And in the other game, Houston won for the third time in a row in this series, 7-4 to four over Tampa Bay to force a game 7 tonight. Houston was down 0-3, and they're, and they're yep. back in it, down to a one-game deal. The World Series scheduled to start in Arlington, Texas on Tuesday, so it'll be... Two of those four teams, depending on how things uh, shake out. Who do, you, who do you like? Do you do you like Houston getting all the way back now or not? Oh, I think so. I you know, but I don't I don't know the Rays players enough. I know the Houston players, and I know they're good players, and I know they got they got the him. You know that Springer is murder in that leadoff spot, and he can. They've just got so many good players. I, but uh, obviously it's three three. Anything can happen. I don't know how you pick it. The big game on the uh, college football. Schedule is later today. Um, number three against number two without the number two's head coach, Nick Saban. Maybe. You know, he's taken uh, – now he's had two negative tests. They're going to try to give him a test later today. They say if he has three consecutive na- uh, negative tests that he can go on the field. We'll see. I doubt it, but it's, I, don't, I don't think it's impossible. He's doing everything possible to get out there. Well, that's a home game, so I guess if it is possible, that'd be uh, – That'd be the way to do but it. But if he's not there, he can't coach during the game. Number three, Georgia at number two, Alabama, coming up tonight at 7 o'clock. Those are some of the uh, games involving uh, top-rated uh, teams, top 25 teams. Three five six nine three nine seven is our phone number. Here's our guest lineup as we uh, move our way through. We're going to lead off, we hope, with Barry Alvarez, the Wisconsin Athletic Director. We've got a call into him uh, right now. Then about the 9:20, Jimmy Lindsay, he's one of the new uh, 
defensive coaches for Levy Smith. He coaches defensive ends. He'll be with us for a few minutes to talk about uh, next week's game and how things have gone in the preseason uh, camp so far. Brad Underwood, Atlanta basketball coach at 930, will spend some time with us. His team is practicing. They've had uh, two or three practices now, and they will practice again later today after uh, we talk to him this morning. 10 o'clock, Steve Beckett will be with us, former U of I law professor who's a he has always uh, some good things to say about things going on in uh, the uh, sports world. Then at uh, 10.30, Mike Raycraft, who is a clinical associate professor in the U of I Applied Health Sciences Department, Department of Recreation, Sport, and Tourism, will join us to talk about a um, virtual symposium coming up that will feature Lou Henson. So that'll be interesting as well. We'll take our first uh, time out here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk and be back with more. We're glad to have you with us. Stay with us. Back after this. If you are building or remodeling. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly. 3569397 is the number if you'd like to join us we're attempting to get a hold of Barry Alvarez we had arrangements to do that and we'll track him down uh, hopefully this morning he's in Branson Missouri uh, with at a reunion I, I was in touch with him last night and, and uh, uh, he's just not picking up this morning I'm not, maybe he had too much fun last night <laughs> he may have you never know he's at a reunion of one of his high school teams, yeah high right? school championship team that he coached way back before he was at Iowa, before he was at Wisconsin. Well, Illinois getting set uh, less than a week now to uh, open the season at uh, Wisconsin, 7 o'clock at Camp Randall Stadium with no fans. And uh, the broadcast team will travel at this point. You'll be there. Brian Barnhart will be there. Martin O'Donnell, Martin Ed Bond. Martin O'Donnell, too. Yep. And uh, we will be there. There is a contingency plan, and it, that may take effect at some other road games. We'll have to see about whether or not we can go. And if, if not, we will still do the broadcast. We would do them from here. But the plan is to go to Madison and uh, do the best we can with that. And, of course, that could change. I mean, six days is a long way away. It can, uh, it can change. Steve, and Miss, was, one game at a time. I know. And Wisconsin's <laughs> uh, kind of a hotbed right now for the, the virus. So Yeah, it is. It really is. It's just kind of a scary thing to go up there just because of – of the, the amount of infection that you have within the state. And that's strange how, how it's just such an outbreak up there, and, and Illinois is way below that. You know, one thing, you sent me a text earlier this week about uh, the spread for this game, and it confused me. And it turned out to be right. What you sent me was an older story of a, of a Wisconsin-Illinois game of a couple of years ago. Are you just, sure that's accurate? Yeah. The, the story that you attached yeah. said October 15th, 2017. 2017, Illinois was getting ready to play Wisconsin. Right. And the spread, and it talked about the games leading up to that, who played mm-hmm. who, and the spread in that game was 23 and a half points. Right. A day or two later, or maybe the later that same day, this, the pre-spread for this game came out at 23.5 points. I just can't It's just believe. coincidence. I don't believe that it should be that this year. I, I can't believe it's 23, I, that Illinois is a 23. I see where it was in 17. Sure. Yeah, that was... Accurate, but yeah, I, right. I and I don't know why the 2017 thing came out when it did. That's why I was confused about whether how this could be the same, right? 23.5 for this game because Illinois shouldn't be more than a two, two touchdown underdog. I thought it might be more like 10. 
Mm-hmm. 10 to 14. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin is nationally ranked. They've lost some guys, sure. They lost Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah. The quarterback is hurt. But uh, yeah. when everybody talks about, well, they lost Jonathan Taylor, he rushed for 2,000 yards. Yes, he did. But three years prior to that, did you know who Jonathan Taylor was? No. Well, they, <laughs> they just a whole l- series of them. They just line them up. Yeah. It, they're, they've had a great running back almost every year for the last 20-some years. Well, and they're going to have somebody. I mean, and, and a lot of that, I say great running back, a lot of that is line play. Yeah. Well, yes, it is. They're going to have somebody. You can guarantee this. They're going to run right at Illinois' defensive line. Yes, sir. Until till you either stop them or – Until you or prove you can stop you, them. You, you might be able to make them pass the ball if they find they can't run, but they're going to run until you, until you stop them. And the quarterback that uh, will play uh, played a little bit last year. He's a redshirt freshman. He, he was 9 out of 10 in limited time for 60 yards or something last year. So, But he was very highly touted, similar to uh, – Brandon Peters coming out of high school, that well, kind of passer. Say, they say he was the most uh, touted quarterback ever recruited by uh, Wisconsin. Four-star. Uh, what I find interesting about this game is the number of transfer students that Illinois has and the number that were four-star athletes when they were in high school. There's a lot of them. Illinois picked up a lot of transfers that were – projected to be good, and now this is their second chance. And, of course, you just mentioned Peters, but I'm not going to go down the list. But they've got players at almost every position, and they've made some tremendous additions with Rod Perry on defense in the line and, and of course, you know, both the Amato Bebes. And this, this, this team has been restructured with uh, players that Illinois could not – with the level of players that Illinois could not recruit out of high school. Yeah, they weren't in on those guys at the time. And uh, Well, I, what I'm saying is that they couldn't get even players of their caliber. Right. Not just these players, but they couldn't get players of, these, of this caliber. And, and it shows in their high school recruiting, which has been really poor over time. We'll talk more about this, obviously, in the six days ahead as we get ready for this game. But what – are you most looking forward to what do you think the big what's your biggest concern for Illinois going well, I, in I think you just you mean about this game yes I think I think you just expressed it I think it's all our concern can we stop Wisconsin right. from dominating the football and dominating the clock and and uh, running the football down our throat but that the, kind of the, the people that Illinois has particularly we're going to talk to Jimmy Lindsay here in just a few minutes uh, the people that Illinois has uh, seniors uh, Isaiah Gay and Carney are the defensive ends. They're the starters. They've been around here four years, but they've never uh, shown themselves to be uh, particularly outstanding as defensive ends. And and I think that uh, between the corner linebacker, the outside linebackers and the defensive ends, I think you're going to see Wisconsin trying to run off tackle and off, you know, and, and off the, uh, you know, the corners and edges. I think they're going to try to do that all day. I think that they're if they find some success there, Illinois has got to stand up and meet them physically, and that's going to be a tough job. Gay's way under – they say Gay's put on 20 pounds. That's great, but he, he came in there at 205 or something, and, you know, maybe he's in the 230s now, but but uh, they're going to run at right at people that, that, uh, that Illinois puts out there. Another factor, uh, in the first half, Illinois will not have Milo Eifler at linebacker right, at the strong factor. side Sam linebacker position, so – um, he will have to sit out because of a targeting call in the bowl game, yep. in the second half of the bowl game against Cal. And uh, we, we assume that uh, Delano Ware will be moved over I there. I think that's why they uh, moved Delano Ware from 
safety to outside linebacker because they need more depth there. And I think he would. I think he would start the first game, but nobody's told me that. Right. And actually, he's listed at the other outside backer. So, but I don't think that matters. I think that uh, he can play either one. We'll talk more about uh, Illinois football. Anything that might be on your mind, feel free to give us a call three five six nine three nine seven. We'll take a break and uh, chat with Jimmy Lindsay, defensive ends coach. After this, stay with us. Moving up on 917, Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11. Going to talk some Illinois football with Jimmy Lindsay in just a moment. But first, Gary has been hanging on during the break. Gary, what's on your mind this morning? I was thinking about this the other day, watching a ball game. And there was a, you know, you're talking about the young man. He was what? He came in at 220 and he's gained 20 pounds. And I'm watching a game and some of the linemen are like 320, 330. I'm just thinking, you ever think about how healthy is that for a kid that's 21, 20, 21, 22 years old, having that kind of weight, you know, how that affects them the rest of their life? It just seems unbelievable that people could be that big at that young of an age. Yeah, I, I think I counted uh, 16 players on the Illinois football team weigh 300 or more. And – you're right. I mean, it's a lot of it is uh, weight that they wouldn't. A lot of it is weight they wouldn't normally uh, have. Uh, I don't think that Gay is is uh, overly. You know, I uh, we're talking about a four year period from his freshman year to his when he arrived as a freshman to to now he's a senior, and he's probably put on twenty five pounds or so. I don't think that he's listed at two forty now. Is he? Mm-hmm. Well, then, then that's that's a pretty good <laughs> that's a pretty good addition, but. If you put on like five to ten pounds a year, that's probably not too abnormal for that age. I, I mean, they it's it's uh, it's done through weight training and and uh, diet, no question. Right, but I mean, you think about your kids when they were eighteen when they were eighteen years old, and if they were weighing by three hundred pounds by the time they were twenty or twenty one. Oh no! Sort of be concerned. Yeah, no, that's that's a concern, and and. And when a lot of guys get, uh, when they're done playing, they try to get back. You know, the best example of that's uh, Martin O'Donnell. Yeah. He was he was up there, and he, he lost a lot of weight and intentionally, and, and he's down where he wants to be, or at least close to it. Well, who, was, who was the player from Illinois that played on the New York Giants on the line? Was it Deal? Deal, Dave yeah. Deal, yep. Uh-huh. I met him one time. That was the biggest man I've ever been around. <laughs> he was big, wasn't he? Uh, hey, Gary, we okay. appreciate the call. Thank you. Let's talk to uh, Jimmy Lindsay, Illinois assistant football coach. Uh, coach, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Are you at your playing weight uh, <laughs> now that you're coaching? <laughs> How does that work with you guys? Man, I told the players the other day if I could get back down to about 218, I'd be back at playing weight. But I got I got about 10 or 15 pounds to go to get to that. <laughs> Well, you're uh, entering your first year on the uh, coaching staff of Lovey Smith. You're working with the defensive ends. Give us a little summation, if you would, about how things have gone uh, with your position uh, thus far. Things have gone well, you know, with this pandemic and not being able to get spring ball in. As a coach, you know, you, you're worried about it. But I think the guys, when they gave us the time that we can get on the field and do do things. Uh, the guys have done a great job of buying in to what we're trying to teach them, and 
I think we're at a good place. Nobody knows until you actually play a game uh, and get in the live bullets. But I'm I'm excited where we're at from a fundamental standpoint and, and, and all those things. Jimmy, this is Lauren Tate. Uh, tell us about how you prepare specifically for Wisconsin and their running game. You know, you, 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 they're, they're real simple in what they do. Uh, they've been doing it for years, all the way back to Coach Alvarez. Um, they, they always have great alignments, great backs. I think the main thing is you've you got to be fundamentally sound in your hand placement and your footwork and your body position, and, and your lockout. And, you know, that's what we try to study on those guys and and, uh, and go from there. Talk about uh, Isaiah Gay. Uh, this is his fourth year, and he's shown some uh, – he's shown a good burst off the edge. Can he stop the running game right at him? Isaiah is, is, has had a really good uh, camp, if that's what we call it, since we've been back at practice. Uh, he, he's very powerful. Um, and strong at the point of attack. Um, even if you watch the game from last year, he, he did some really nice things against Wisconsin. So he gives us a chance um, to, to, to be successful. Uh, as I said earlier, I think the thing that it goes back to is, is being great fundamentally in the run game. Uh, I think that gives you a chance to be successful. What does he weigh now? Is he listed at 240? Is that, is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, he's done a really nice job in the weight room with Coach Hernandez. And, uh, yes, he's around 240. Yes, sir. Talking to Jimmy Lindsay, he coaches defensive ends for Levy Smith. Talked about Isaiah Gay. You've got Owen Carney, Keith Randolph, Seth Coleman, some other guys in that rotation. Anybody there were missing that uh, is looking good? Uh, Mark Mundus has done a really nice job. Uh, Zeke Holmes has done a really nice job. All those guys are really uh, bought in and, and been great, had great attitudes, uh, worked hard, tried tried their best to uh, improve their craft at that position. So I, I've been pleased with the whole group. Uh, and even the, the two freshmen we have have, have made huge strides in, in the last couple of weeks. Your guys are going against a very experienced Illinois offensive line. Talk about that every day in practice and what you see from the offensive line? It's been huge. Um, it's really made us better every day because, you know, you, ha- you have to compete. I think uh, Ladarian Lowe and, and Paucho are, are two really good tackles that, uh, that are very savvy, um, that, that they make us better. And our job at our position is to try to make them better every day in practice. So, it's uh it's been really good because you get to go against them and then you get to watch them on tape and see the things that they're doing. So I've been pleased with the competition. Jimmy, I, this is a little bit out of your area, but I see where Eifler uh, has to sit out the first half. He's an outside linebacker right next to your position. Uh, how do you, how are you going to handle uh, is, is that does that move uh, Delano Ware into that starting position for the first half? Do you know? I'll be honest with you, I, I, I don't know. That's something I couldn't speak on. Uh, I don't know what, 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 what they'll do right there, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's a strange rule to have a player serving a penalty from last season, you know. 
I mean, and in fact, that that whole idea of the of, of having a guy miss a, a half of a game or, or a game because of a of a of a, of a of a hit that sometimes you can't even avoid. I mean, sometimes the the runner will duck his head into you. I mean, that it seems to me that at least they're not going to make you walk them off the field this year, are they? That that's one change, one rule change we have. Yeah, yes, sir. That's the one rule that the officials told us about last night. Uh, that um, you know, if you get targeting and it is rule targeting, you can't stay on the field this year. So, talking to Jimmy, better than having to watch the game in the tunnel. That's right. <laughs> talking another couple minutes with uh, Jimmy Lindsay, who uh, had coaching stops at Western Kentucky, Georgia Southern, Furman, Chattanooga, Miami of Ohio among others. What uh, attracted you to uh, this position with uh, Illinois? Really, it came out of the blue. Um, uh, was was real good friends with Austin Clark. Uh, he reached out to me and, and told me that there could be some possible opportunities with him moving on and would I be interested and, uh, you know, the chance to come work for Coach Smith. Uh, you can't turn down, in my opinion, because um, he has such a wealth of knowledge defensively, and uh, he's one of the most respected people, human beings, coach in college football and pro football. So just a chance to be a sponge and be around him every day, um, great opportunity. Jimmy, what's your uh, attitude about substitution? Uh, we've had coaches in the past defensively who – alternate on possessions or alternate based on a percentage of plays or how how much of the time would you have uh, Carney and Gay in there what what's your thoughts about bringing in people like uh, Randolph and and uh, Coleman who redshirted both of whom redshirted last year right uh, I think if a guy practices well and he practices at a high level with great physical and mental intensity um, they should get, get a chance to play uh, how much that is depends on the flow of the game. You want to give a lot of your reps to your starters, but uh, you know I, I we wrote I will rotate um, and mix and put different pieces together. That's sort of what you know we did last night as far as the uh, the mock game with mixing different groups. So it may be Carney and Gay on the field at one time, or or Carney and Mondesir or Randolph with Gay, you know, just find, try to find those different uh, rotations so guys can get comfortable with each other in the communication on the field as well. Do you uh, ever do you substitute on based on the a likelihood? Let's say it's third and twelve, and, and, you, and you anticipate a pass. Do you? Do you have a you have a group that you'd rather have in there for pass rush as opposed to the running game? We do. Uh, I, I think is I don't really call our defensive ends guys. I don't really call our guys defensive ends anymore. You know the new age deal is edge rushers. So uh, we try to teach all our guys to be really good edge rushers in passing situations. So uh, we teach them teach them the different moves and. Hopefully they can find one that's signature for them that fits their body type and and all that stuff. So um, I really don't put guys in and out on passing situations. 
The run's a little different because of, you know, if it's 30 short and you want a bigger body, that's different. But the pass, I think all guys got to be able to run. How big are the Wisconsin offensive front five? How, and, and they're tied in. What, what, what Are they all over 300? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I guess I could sure. say that for every year for years, huh? Right, right. So, Jimmy, you're going to have any trouble holding these guys back uh, next week with the, the anticipation of finally playing that first game? Uh, I, I think our, our guys, having some older guys in that room, um, there's a good maturity level. Um, and those uh, older guys sort of set the, the the tempo and the pace for our group. You know, we'll, we'll obviously won't try to peak too early you know you got to save it plus with it being a night game so i just think the focus and the attention to detail um is very key for you know next week and building up and, and prepping for the game you know um and then we go from there well jimmy we appreciate your time i know it's getting uh, down to that uh, exciting time for you guys best of luck and we'll be talking to you along the way thank you guys for having me you bet. Thanks, Jimmy. That's Jimmy Lindsay. He coaches defensive ends for the U of I football team. Again, next Saturday morning at this time, we'll be talking about that first game being in the books up in Madison for Fighting Illini football. Let's talk a little Fighting Illini basketball now. Brad Underwood is up early, as usual, this morning and talking to us a bit before practice. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Uh, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. Practice started for you on uh, Wednesday, tell us, uh, you, you met with uh, the media via Zoom earlier in the week, and uh, some of this will be kind of um, the same uh, line of questioning and uh, discussion, but talk a little bit about uh, what you've seen for the first guys. How was maybe the first practice or two different from past years? Well, first of all, we haven't been together that long, you know, and that's, that's we've done so many small group uh, workouts because of COVID and because of the restrictions and some of those things. So we had, uh, the NCA did a wonderful thing in terms of allowing us to, to go from eight hours a week to 12 hours a week. So we did have a gradual buildup, uh, before the start of practice. So we were, uh, we were able when we went to 12 hours a week to, to, to put our group together, uh, and really start working on some things that way. So, uh, the first day itself was really a, a kind of a rehash of what we've we've done up to that point and and we put it all together and then from there there's a progression as we as we on both ends of the court offensively and defensively start putting more things in um but uh you know it's always exciting there's a great uh great level of enthusiasm and and the new guys have been great and and uh it's really nice to go out there with a group of veterans that uh you know have been through it before and can help the new guys that's kind of an unusual combination or something you don't see every on every team. Guys that have been through the battles of Big Ten play, plus some exciting newcomers, and I'm sure that's an interesting uh, mesh for you in, in a lot of ways, but it sounds like uh, they've connected pretty well from the from this point on. Yeah, it's the first time we've had it, you know, really since we've been here in terms of, uh, um, you know, older guys and, and, and seniors and, and juniors and, and – uh, you know, then you throw in a top ten recruiting class, and and those guys have been incredible from day one in terms of their capacity to want to learn, uh, their ability to listen, 
the, the leadership has been tremendous. And from, you know, from this point on, there's a lot of new experiences for those new guys. So the veterans got to help them through it. And, you know, going back to back practices for uh, longer periods of time, uh, putting three, four days together, uh, you know, putting offense and defensive schemes uh, and stacking them on top of each other. And they have to retain all of that. So uh, along with learning the pace, along with learning the, uh, the physicality. So uh, it's nice to have veterans out there who can, uh, uh, can really, really help guide those young guys. Uh, Coach, do you know anything, or can you tell us anything about the schedule? Uh, do you know how many Big Ten games you're going to play yet, or uh, do you know about the December Big Ten games? Uh, what, what can you tell us? Not very much, Lauren. Uh, the, the, all that's still a, kind of a work in, uh, work in progress. Uh, there's, there's so many COVID issues. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're really wrestling with is, is officiating. Um, and and how we how we how we handle that within the conference, uh, and especially in non-league games, and uh, how do we get those guys tested? How do we stay safe? Uh, that's one of the the issues that's been uh, extremely popular here of, of late, and trying to get resolved. But uh, yeah, we don't have uh, when I really say we have a blank sheet. We have no contract signed. We have uh, no idea what. Uh, uh, where we're going yet, but we, we do know we're going to play league games in December and more of them. And, and uh, you know, we've got a lot of issues involved in December with finals and, and, uh, um, and, and, and Christmas, Christmas uh, break that has been scheduled that we've had to take previously. And so there's, uh, there's a mountain of things to, to have to weed through, to be honest. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering about the officiating thing because uh, your your players are being tested, I believe, every day now. Is that correct? Uh, with the virus, correct. Well, how correct. how are you going to do that with officials that to travel from one place to another? A lot of these guys work on consecutive nights. Uh, how are they are they going to be working, able to do that? They're working through that, Lauren. That's one of the major issues. It's it's one of the things that I think can can uh, uh, potentially. Um, potentially knock us off our rails is, 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 is how we handle the officials and, and especially in non-league games, because uh, to be honest, us in the PAC 12 right now, I think are the only two conferences that are testing every day. Uh, we all know that uh, state to state uh, getting tests is, and getting tested is very different. Uh, some States you can't get a test uh, if you're, if you're, unless you've got symptoms. Uh, some states you can't get them, period. Uh, you know, it's just really challenging uh, from that perspective. So the officials come from all different areas, and, and um, the league's working through that to what, what's going to look like the best uh, scenario for that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's – it's, it's, uh, you know, I say this, I use this term. I mean, they're very toxic in terms of they, they, they fly commercial, they stay in hotels, they eat in restaurants, and they're in rental yep. cars. And, yep. and uh, so we've got to – uh, we've got to address those issues, and um, and we're working through that right now. If you're in a multi-team event, which you hope to be, would though would the officials stay for like all three or four days of that? The same officials? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's the way it's going to work, and they'll 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 have to adhere to uh, the testing of, of 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 the event and so on and so forth. But again, there's there's a lot of things that are still having to be worked out, and and uh, uh, I personally am a big fan of just playing league games, but um, I, I don't know if we'll go that direction. 
Uh, the NCAA's requested that we they want us to play four non-league games. But, um, you know, we also have in the Big Ten, uh, you know, a 21-day out uh, in terms of um, because of the myocarditis testing uh, that we have to do. So we could lose one player for up to 21 days if he's positive. And, you know, we've seen nationwide already some of the issues that have developed with uh, around the country in different conferences that are playing football. A lot of them have stemmed from travel, uh, pregame meals, um, and and uh, having family members come visit from out of state and out of area. Uh, so it's very, very difficult to, to create the bubble, and yet we've got to do the best we can to try to uh, uh, protect our, our, our student-athletes. I'm confused about this 21. Here you've got basketball players uh, that have to be out for 21 days for that myocarditis test, I guess, and here we have a situation where Saban, uh, who just this week uh, tested positive? He's trying to get back for the game today. How how can that possibly be? I mean, they say if he if he if he receives three negatives, he can he can come to the game, and he's they say he's going to try to take his third test today. So he would find it negative, he could come out and and be there. And that's an awful short period of time compared to what you're facing. Well, and I don't know his situation, Lauren. To be honest, I you know I there I think everybody's. Uh, figuring out different policies and, and procedures for, uh, you know, maybe the false positive uh, that could happen. And, uh, you know, especially with the, some of the saliva tests, and then you, you back that up with the PCR, which is the nasal swab. And uh, so I, I don't know his situation, but, uh, you know, the Big Ten has been uh, very cautious in terms of the myocarditis testing and, and, uh, and, and rightfully so. Uh, we don't want um, we don't want complications from that. So uh, our conference is, um, is is got a really a 21 day out to get tested and, and work your way back up because you're going to have 14 days uh, with a positive test that you don't do anything physically, yep. and then you start gra- gradually working your way back up. So uh, as long as time period as that is, it'll be a uh, it'll take them much longer to get back up to speed. Uh, just being out of shape and getting back into game condition, uh, you know, take them another week or two after that. I'm sure. Well, let's let's talk about some of your players, uh, coach, and and particularly let's let's take Grandison. Uh, he, tell us how he fits into this uh, operation and and uh, how how you're going to use him. Yeah, he's going to be one of those swing guys for us, um, Lauren. He, he's going to play multiple positions. Uh, he's, he's a high motor guy. Uh, he, he's, he's played predominantly as a small ball four um, up to his, up to this point. And he's, he's a very good rebounder. Uh, and, and, uh, he's improved his shooting a great deal. Uh, he'll play some small forward four, some three, uh, depending on what lineups we go with. Uh, I love his energy. I love his, um, his ability to rebound. He's, he, he's one of the best, instinctive cutters uh, that I've seen. Uh, he gets a lot of easy baskets because of those. And, uh, yeah, his his uh, his versatility is something that, that really excites us because we, uh, we can play him in different different spots and with different lineups. You mentioned the uh, top ten recruiting class, uh, Corbello, Miller, Coleman, uh, Hawkins. Uh, talk a little bit about those guys, what you've seen from them. Uh, are they living up to uh, their high expectations? Yeah, and I mean, I, I should probably protect them more than I'm going to. <laughs> um, and, and but they've been great, 
and and I've never had a group of freshmen that that have the ability to to learn and listen and 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 compete. I mean, they're all three very 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 competitive. Um, they're, they're not making uh, repetitive mistakes, and that's such a good sign. Uh, it's something we really look forward to to. Uh, paying attention to when practice starts is, you know, do they make the same mistake over and over and over? And this group does not do that. You tell them once and, and they make a conscious effort not to do that again. And that's, that's exciting. They have enough, they have enough of an adjustment, just getting used to the, the pace, uh, the, the physicality. Um, you know, I think they're, they're all, they're all managing that and, and still growing in that area. You know, all three of these guys are really good passers. So some of the passes they've been able to throw um, and get away with, they see it, but now they're realizing, man, oh, you know, well, Kofi's on the other team, he's seven foot and long wingspan, or DeMonte's out there and he deflects it. And 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 so they're they're having to learn what they can and can't do, but they're seeing the game, and that's, that's really exciting for me. Well, Coach, uh, what what is the status of, of uh, Verdunk and um... – Hutcherson, are they going to be able to participate at this point? No, uh, Ben's Ben's um, just getting back out of another boot, um, and uh, so he's a few weeks away yet uh, from a from a reaggravation, and and we've uh, uh, we've continued to to have some some issues with that foot and and new orthotics and so on and so forth. Um, Hutch has had a uh, um, you know, he had a he was out with a stress fracture in his back. I uh, missed most of the spring and is still coming back from that. And and his his um, you know we're progressing him. We're not speeding that up. And and that's just a natural progression. And we'll see. He's uh, um, continuing to do everything that our our physical therapy people and and training staff need him to do. And and so we'll we'll take that one as uh, you know as it as it as it progresses. But uh, you know, hopefully he's back sooner than um, uh, sooner than later on that. Well, Coach, we've seen uh, some of the top people in the country, Goodman and Rothstein and Katz, all pushing Illinois in the top ten. Katz has got you in the top four going in. How does that change how you approach things with your players? Uh, you know, a good amount uh, from the standpoint that we're going to talk about some things that we have not had happen here, uh, and that's that's – you know, it's not going to change our everyday approach of being an everyday guy and continuing to work. Uh, what we are trying to control is the outside narrative and, and the, the, the outside noise, so to speak, and not let that become a distraction. We have enough issues with COVID um, and trying to stay as, as safe and, 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 and protect our, our group as we, um, you know, that provides different and different issues. But the outside stuff is something we can't listen to. And uh, I brought it up in our first team meeting that we were going to be ranked in the top ten. I, I brought it up that we were going to be a team that is uh, is the hunted. And uh, I'm not going to bring it up anymore. And we're going to go about doing our job every single day. And all that other stuff, the rankings, all that stuff, can be for you guys to talk about. Um, you know, I've encouraged uh, uh, our guys to just stay focused on the simple things that we can control. And that's how good we get every day in our chemistry and, and, our, and our teammates in the locker room. So, uh, you know, we know there'll be more noise uh, and we've just got to learn to handle that as, as it, uh, uh, as we move forward. 
Well, when you get in the Big Ten, you'll, you'll find there's no reason to be overconfident because there's a whole bunch of teams that are going to be better than they have been returning uh, multiple players at Iowa and Wisconsin. Michigan State's going to be good. Indiana's going to be a factor. I mean, I the league looks to me like it's the best in years, don't you think? Well, I you know, the, 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 the old guy in the league, Izzo, you know, said he's been around at 37 years, and, and Tom said that he thinks this is the best the league's ever been. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I, there's no, no easy win. There's no for sure win. Uh, you're going to be, uh, you know, we, the one thing we've talked about with, with our team at length already is every game's going to be a close game. And uh, you've got to, um, you've, you've got to expect two possession games. So it's the one or two possessions in the first half. It's the not being able to turn the ball over. It's the free throws. It's a lot of intangible things because uh, it doesn't matter whether there's fans in the stands or not. Uh, the opponent and the coach on the other bench is going to be really, really good and really talented and very old. And, um, you know, there's a reason we were going to get 10 teams in uh, last year's NCAA tournament. And, and who would think we would we would do anything but that this year? You know, there uh, there's this new rule. Basically, it's a new rule in transfers because they're making – Every, all the waiver requests seem to me uh, favoring the uh, people transferring. And, and I, 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 I don't know what to think about Nebraska and some teams in the league because they got so many new, new players I can't figure it out. I have, what is your th- thinking about entering the, the transfer market? Well, you know, I think they've got to be right. I think that we're, you know, we're going to continue to try to build this with, with you know, high school players that are that – are, are very very good but and and can fit what we do um you know i think that you'd be foolish not to uh not to think that you're going to have a player or two potentially leave your program uh everybody's every young guy's situation is different uh so you know i think you prepare for it i think that it's going to be a way to uh um and, and i look at it this way you know as 20 years ago when junior college basketball was elite and had great, great players. And this was before the prep school thing really took off. And, you know, you went the junior college route. If you needed a quick fix, if you needed an older guy with experience. And I think that's what the, the, the transfer market can be. You know, you've got a whole, all of a sudden, you know, a, a student athlete leaves your program late in the summer, or you have a guy that um, declares in the draft or, uh, whatever, and, and that transfer route is going to be something that's there because at the highest levels, which which we are, there's very few players who can come in, as you know, Lauren, that can come in and truly help you as a freshman. And um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, we're going to be receptive to those and, and, and look at those, but uh, also try to understand that uh, our culture has been built with young guys and helping them grow and improve and get better and and uh watching them mature and uh and be a part of something and so we'll continue to do that and uh and fill in there as we uh as as we need to uh stay as as competitive as we can in this in, in the top 10. We'll let you go with this. Have you done any uh clothing shopping uh, lately for some new suits after your weight loss? <laughs> well, I I will I will tell you this. I I the uh Christmas came early. <laughs> uh, from uh, when when practice got started, so our new Nike 
uh, allotment came in, and of course, I've always been a 2x guy, and it, I was so proud to be able to return all of it because <laughs> none of it because none of it fits. And uh, yeah, we have. Uh, I actually I, we're not going to wear suits this year, and and we're all going to kind of go slacks and polo or quarter zip or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, so I actually, I actually had to go buy some some new slacks and and uh, that that you know actually fit me because none <laughs> of them, not, nothing nothing I own fits. So uh, it's a great problem to have, but uh, um, and I'm really glad we're not wearing suits this year. I would uh, have to get them all all the alterations done. But uh, yeah, we'll. Um, We'll we'll get something figured out. If not, we'll just roll out there in a sweatsuit. <laughs> hey, Brad, we always appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Brad Underwood with us for about 15 minutes there. We'll take a time out. We've got an open line until 10 if you'd like to join us. Actually, we'll keep the line open throughout the show. 356-9397 is the number. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. 9.51 is the time. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11. Along the way, we have the phone lines open, 356-9397. You want to talk some college football? You want to talk baseball playoffs, college basketball? Anything's open. Let's go to Plainfield, Illinois. And Chuck, good morning, Chuck. What do you say? Hi. Um, i like to uh, ask. Did you guys uh, say anything about when the Illini start yet? I know they start next week, right? Yeah, next Friday night is the first game uh, for, of the football season, Friday night against Wisconsin in Madison. 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought, uh, for sure, I thought the Illini uh, uh, Braves were going to sweep right through the Dodgers, but it seems like the Dodgers are trying to make a comeback in the Texas. I mean, the uh, the Houston Astros are having a hard time with uh, the Rays, aren't they? Well, the Astros have won three straight now after losing three straight, so that yeah. series is so down to one game. Yeah. Um, I'm. I. That's all I have to comment on. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Chuck. We appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven. Those baseball scores last night: the Dodgers over Atlanta, seven to three. That series now three games to two in favor of the Braves. Still, they play again this afternoon at three thirty. And Houston beat Tampa by a score of seven to four. That series now three and three. A game seven final tonight at seven thirty. The winner of that game moves on to the World Series. The World Series, huh? And if the Braves win. Uh, this afternoon, they'll join them, actually be there first. <laughs> but uh, we'll see how that goes. Dodgers still alive, needing two more wins to uh, put the Braves away after Atlanta jumps to that uh, 2-0 start. And we could have our usual Saturday uh, Randy Rosarina talk, <laughs> <laughs> if you want, Cardinal fans. And what was it, the one night when a Rosarina hit a home run in one game and uh, Marcel Ozuna hit one almost at the same time in the other game. <laughs> and uh, Cardinal fans were, just, were fit to be imagine, tied. Just imagine what the Cardinals could have been if they had Goldschmidt batting third, and then you had Ozuna, and you had Voigt, <laughs> and then Rosarina. <laughs> we, I'll say one thing. They knew who the players were. They just couldn't keep them. <laughs> right. 
Well, they're, they they elected, kept them, elected they, not to keep them. Yeah, elected not to keep them. Oops. Well, in in the Voight case, there was there was really no place for him to play. No. Nope. At the time, the DH was uh, not going to be in the National League at the time, and you, you just signed Goldschmidt, and and so where do you play him? The Rosarina thing. He was involved in a in a group of young outfielders. Yep. They chose the outfielders that couldn't hit the curveball. <laughs> they did. <laughs> And he can do that. He can, he waits on it nicely, and boy, oh does he boy. take a rip at it. <laughs> He's a good player. He's the uh, he does the old. We'll be watching um, this for a decade. He does the old uh, Joaquin Andujar philosophy of hitting. Former Cardinal pitcher, he says, "I swing hard in case I hit it." That's right. <laughs> and uh, he does for sure. So that's the baseball set up. The World Series, as I mentioned, will start uh, on Tuesday in Arlington. I haven't heard. Are they going to have fans for that or not? They've got fans at the Braves. Dodgers series. I, I guess I don't know. They've got them spaced in, in, for the Dodgers series, don't they? Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Some football today. Number one, Clemson plays Georgia Tech. We talked about a little bit about the number three Georgia at number two Alabama game scheduled for tonight. Nick Saban trying to uh, to get back on the sidelines. That'll be a a, a day watch kind of situation for that. Did you see that statistic that somebody threw out of how many of the last two games that uh, I believe it's the last two that Georgia and Alabama have played, the number of minutes that Georgia either, was either tied or ahead, practically the entire time. They lost both games right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the games canceled today because of the virus. Oklahoma State at Baylor, Cincinnati at Tulsa, LSU at Florida. That might have been a decent game, but uh, Florida being affected by the coronavirus. Yeah. There's a handful of other ones as well on this. Uh, it was over, well over 30, the number of games that have been postponed. I mean, some of, some of them will be made up, and I don't know if they can make all of them up, but they obviously can't. This is week number seven of uh, the college football season. The Big Ten will open week number one in week number eight. <laughs> next week. There'll be a Friday night game uh, pretty much each week, we think, uh, involving Big Ten teams. Um, we're told that uh, this will be the Illini's only Friday night tilt, mm-hmm. so they'll be back on uh, Saturdays the rest of the way, and the first home game is two weeks from today against Purdue. No time yet on that. We'll probably learn that time coming up uh, this week. Moving towards the top of the hour at uh, 9.57, first hour is history of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll kick off hour number two after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show. 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'd love to have you join us if you like. 356-9397. In that first hour, thanks to Illini football assistant coach Jimmy Lindsay. He coaches the defensive ends. We talked to him for a few minutes about uh, next week's opener against the Wisconsin Badgers at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison, and we also spent about 20 minutes talking Illinois basketball with Brad Underwood. Kicking off hour number two of the show, our friend Steve Beckett has stopped by with his Illinois Law sweatshirt on. Morning, Steve. Good morning. Great uh, great Saturday for a football game, isn't it? It is. 
and there's some around the country, but uh, not Big Ten yet. That comes next week. But uh, Steve, what's keeping you busy these days? You're kind of uh, you're kind of like me and Lauren, aren't you? You're semi-retired. I'm semi-retired. Uh, I dream to have Fridays off if the judges will just cooperate. <laughs> And I sort of take the cases I want to take, and I don't take uh, things I don't want to do. So that's what I'm doing. And there's some I look at that guy across the table, and I say, the, the question is, do we have enough sense to get in and out of the rain? <laughs> no, we <laughs> No, didn't. we don't. No. We only had three holes to go, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got on the golf course a little bit this oh, weekend. Oh, it's raining so hard. The last, I was trying to putt on the last hole with Steve the other day, and I had glasses on, and I couldn't see the ball hardly. I was out there Monday as well, the, the same day that you're talking about, and uh, it did come down pretty good there towards the end. <laughs> but we finished, though. We're athletes in our group. Oh, That's we finished. Right. Yeah, we, we finished. <laughs> Not well, but we finished. Adam boy. I, I putted from six feet, and I missed it, and, and I said – and Tom says, that's good. Then I picked it up <laughs> got out of there. Well, good to have friends like that that will give right. you those putts. He wanted to talk to us. Uh, well, he didn't say the last one. But he, the one I I, he just said the next one's good because I probably would have missed the next one too. <laughs> <laughs> well, he could have given you the six-footer and you got, would have gotten out of there earlier. I was lagging. <laughs> <laughs> You've been known to lag a few times, right? Yeah. Steve, we wanted to talk to you about a few things. And uh, I, I guess, I don't know how to categorize it really, but uh, – in the position that college athletes are finding themselves these days as far as power, really, in, in getting things done, it ties into the to the image thing. And how, how are you viewing all this, the fact that they're about to be uh, in a situation where they get more than their tuition and room and board? Well, I think we're moving uh, more and more away from a model of amateur sports. Um, I I think part of it is that a lot of the decision makers um, have taken their college experience, their athletic experience, and created power for themselves. They've been elected to legislatures or, or to Congress. And I think that's really what's driving the NCAA is that if the NCAA doesn't do something about this name, image, and likeness, states are doing it, Congress will do it. And I think the NCAA wants to maintain some semblance of, of control. And so that's why the issue has been in, introduced, and uh, apparently there's going to be a vote at the January NCAA meeting. And, uh, you know, Laura and I were talking about this. If you, if you stop and think about it, a college kid uh, owns his own uh, image, likeness, person. And any college kid, if they had the wherewithal and the ability to do it, could do commercials and, and tutor uh, students uh, and and run a camp and get paid for it. Nobody could stop them. I mean, it's America. It's, it's a free enterprise. But if you are a college athlete, now all of a sudden you can't because the NCAA won't let you receive the money for that kind of activity. And so um, what, we've, what we've seen is a resistance to that. And legislation in Florida, we have a bill pending in Illinois, now legislation in Congress, um, that would allow all of the all of those things, and the basic, I, I guess the basic ideas are that the athletes can use their name, image, and likeness to promote camps and clinics. Uh, they can they could be a tutor, um, and uh, they can endorse commercial products and services. And so, for example, Brandon Peters could have a football camp, or he could be a football tutor. Uh, he could sell his own T-shirts. 
He could market analgesic bomb for Procter & Gamble, <laughs> and he could get paid for all of that. And what he can't do is associate his image with the University of Illinois. That seems strange. Well, he, he, couldn't, uh, he couldn't work for Adidas if Illinois is a Nike school. Well, that, right? I was going to get to that. There are, yeah. other, there are other restrictions. There, are there are limitations to it. So, but, but those are but, reasonable limitations. Yeah. Right? Uh, let, me, let me sort of finish with the things I can do. It can be paid for autographs and personal appearances, uh, again, with no association to the school. And so uh, at Lincoln Square, Ayo DeSumo could have a, a, a personal day. And at the same event, at an autograph table, he could get $20 a pop for his autograph. And if you're familiar with Major League Baseball, they've done that. I don't know oh, if yeah. they still do that. Because I remember taking my son to a baseball card show at Indianapolis and in L.A. And remember seeing Duke Snyder there, you know, selling. And, but you have to remember, now Duke Snyder got in trouble because he didn't report the income. And the government, you know, came after him for for That's another problem. That's another problem. See, I said for every one of these, there's a problem. But if I was going to do this, he needs somebody to set it up. Well, now you're getting to it. See, the other thing you can have is an agent. You know, the NCAA has always prohibited the the amateur athletes from having agents, but you can have an agent. You can have an agent to set up these deals, to negotiate the contracts for you, to you know, go through it to to obviously handle the forums and the taxes and the, and the whatever. Okay, we've got a player right now named Luke Goody. He's from Fort Wayne. He's a high school player. He's committed to the University of Illinois. He he can do it right now. He can do it right now. He just again he can't do it in any way by saying I'm going to the University of Illinois. And Illinois can't, can't help him in any. And way. Illinois cannot help him in any way. They cannot help him. The other limitation is that you can't endorse uh, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, vaping, vaping, and um, and gambling. Can't do that. Those are pro- prohibited activities. And all of those. So the casino in Danville sense. cannot. That's correct. We employ a player to come over there and and welcome the crowd. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> now, it does say, the NCAA legislation does say, uh, unless it's associated with the player's academic program or coursework. I'm not sure what that means. Okay. Um, so are you, if you're a, an intern, uh, you know, in some uh, uh, school of business uh, program, uh, can you use your likeness or image uh, to receive compensation? I, I don't know. Well, if if I if Steve's a good con artist, can't he uh, figure out a way to get around some of these rules? Well, you've you've identified what I say are the source of problems. So, <laughs> first first of all, all we got to do is step back and say, how has there been cheating in NCAA athletes? Cheating? With NCAA? Yeah, has there been, how's there been cheating in the? Has past? there been cheating? Okay, just <laughs> bear with me. Okay, maybe there's been. Lauren sometimes thinks he's a comedian. <laughs> right. So follow the money. If there's money involved, they're going to be cheating. Just follow the money. There, there is going to be. Uh, follow the agents. If there are agents involved, now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm. If I was younger, maybe this is something I'd get into. It looks pretty lucrative. If I can line up uh, the star athletes before they come into school. Now I'm going to travel all over the country. I'm going to try to get the top 100 players in football and basketball. I want them to be. I want them to be part of my agency. And then as soon as I establish that, then I become the star agent and then everybody wants me and then I make a lot of money. So how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to give money up front, right? That's what the agents have always done. The trials that we 
covered. It was that kind of stuff. And I'm going to give it to the kid or I'm going to give it to the family somehow. I'm going to, that's the problem with agents. Well, Steve, how, uh, how can we prevent big cities like Columbus, Ohio, which is the biggest city in, in Ohio, from the, how much an advantage is it for them over, uh, let's say, West Lafayette or Champaign-Urbana? Or, I mean, how many more c- corporations do you have that, are, that would be willing to do something like this? Well, of course, the school is prohibited from using this activity as part of the recruiting of the well, I understand that, but, but well, the, I understand, but you you've pointed out out the problem. So, are the athletes are are there schools who are going to have the natural advantage? So, we say that there are those schools that already have the advantage because they've had success, mm-hmm. and so success breeds success, and so the athletes want to go to the school where they're going to enjoy success, and so now we're going to put a dollar figure on success. And those athletes that go to a school like OSU, like you're talking about, they make more money than the athletes that want to come to the University of Illinois simply because of the economics of the community and the university where they're going. And so is there going to be a competitive advantage that is tied to this name, image, and likeness you know, kind of rule? It's a, con- it's a big concern. Where do you stand? What do you think what, to the argument of many people, I think, feel that college athletes getting a, just in round numbers, a $100,000 education offered to them at no expense, that that should be plenty? Um, I'm a purist. I, I'm a, I'm, I guess I'm turning into a grizzled old guy because it just seems to me that the college opportunity wa- was and has been um, a great opportunity for you to develop yourself for the next stages of your life. That may be professional sports. That may be in broadcasting. Uh, that may be in government. That may be in, in business. That's what college does for mm-hmm. all of us. And the athletic experience is just, is just part of that. And to, to turn it into money makes it, in my view, professional sports. And so I'm against it, but that, that's a voice crying in the wind. It, that's going nowhere. This is this is going to happen. This is going to happen. It's going to be a compliance nightmare. That was my. Uh, if I was a compliance officer at, I mean the NCAA or the Big Ten are going to have to have a fleet of uh, fraud police uh, to run around and investigate uh, problems that that pop up. You know, in in the in the agency field, as we've seen, uh, there are people who are con artists uh, who are criminals, and I think that. Uh, you know, 18, 19-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid is pretty naive. The parents may be naive as well, particularly if you don't come from much and you flash this money. Um, it's about anything. And then I, I wondered about a, a special agent. So I'm going to be an agent for <laughs> offensive linemen. And what I want to do is sign up all of the offensive linemen for a team. And then the arrangements, because nobody knows who they are. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to use them in blocks. Uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take uh, for the car dealership. I'm going to move the offensive line. Now everybody knows where they go to school, but we can't say where they went to school. But everybody <laughs> knows, okay? And so these people are going to be at the dealership. You know that that kind of thing. It, I mean, it's the the number of problems are monumental. I wonder what um, how the NCA is going to approach in terms of, of penalty uh, and penalties for violations. I mean, at this point, we just don't. 
don't really know. Once this becomes legal, then, then, then some of these issues will become debatable. And In, institutional control. Right. Well, you could always fall back on that. Yeah. Institutional control. But that that's something that the, the institution doesn't have much control right. over. <laughs> right. And then, the, you know, the player has to, the athlete, I say player, he or she has to report the activity to the school. And the school, of course, has to report the activity to the NCAA. So now we've got forms. We have forms. And so making a false statement on a form is going to be um, a problem. False statements are a problem everywhere anyway in any regulatory system. And so now you're going to be relying on your agent to help you make sure your statements are correct. So you can see it's there's a can of worms out there. We're talking with Steve Beckett. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397 is the number. We'll take a brief time out here, a couple of minutes, and be back. We'll keep uh, Steve for another 10 or 12 minutes, so feel free to join us right here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. 10-15, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate is over there. I'm Steve Kelly in the middle, and Steve Beckett is with us for a few more minutes with the phone line open. All socially distanced. Three five six nine. I'm waving at Lauren all the way across the room. <laughs> and to be especially safe, we've got Ed Bond and... Completely different room. But <laughs> well, actually, he's the marshal, isn't he? We've got him where we can see him, though. Yeah. So he, as long as he stays there, we're in good shape. How did all this get started? I think it actually it started, of course, by athletes speaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the athletes for pay scenario, like we had in Northwestern, et cetera, you know, that's a beginning of it. But then you had, uh, as I had indicated earlier, athletes who have put themselves in position of positions of power. So Anthony Gonzalez, who was a wide receiver at Ohio State, is now a representative in Congress from Ohio. And he introduced this legislation. He happens to be a Republican. He has a co-sponsor who is uh, Emanuel Cleaver from uh, Missouri. And this, I call this, this is apple pie legislation. Who in the world is going to be against it? Um, th- this is, you know, this is like get tough on crime. This is the fans back home. I'm running for Congress, and I tried to protect our student athletes and et cetera. Well, the only reason that Congress has taken this up is because individual states were going to do it on their own, and you can't have that. You can't have all different states operating with different, you know. With I rules. agree with I agree with that, but but I just want to point out how bipartisan it is. Yeah. Um, Colin Alred from a Democrat from Texas, Josh Gothammer, a Democrat from New Jersey, Jeff Duncan, a Republican from South Carolina. Marsha Fudge, a Democrat from Ohio, Steve Stivers, a Republican from Ohio, our own Rodney Davis, who, of course, is in a close race with Bessie uh, Londrigan. So you can see that, that there, there would be public support for it. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to be for this? Why wouldn't you want to be for this? Do you see any link or tie between this and the transfer rule? I did, I, this is all, for me, part of the empowerment of athletes. and They're, they're going to be, as of January, we're going to have both these rules come in. Transfers can just up and leave anytime they want to, one time, without worrying about eligibility. Or, I mean, they have to be eligible when they leave. But I'm saying that they're immediately eligible if all their if their grades are okay. Well, uh, in our lifetimes, we can remember when professional sports was completely owner driven, and it was a privilege to play major league baseball or football or whatever. And 
you know, you, you had your individual contract negotiation with the owner. Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle held out for $100,000, you know, and they were, they were superstars. And, you know, what's it like now? So the players became empowered. They organized. They asserted their power. Uh, that's what's happening, I think, in college sports. I think you're absolutely right. Without an official organization. Right. This is, right. Well, they're, but all, I, they're all on the same page, though. Uh, all I can tell you from my life's experience that uh, I, could, I could have two criminal cases. And one of the cases is just Joe uh, Schmo, and the other is an athlete at the University of Illinois. And all of a sudden, the world wants me to win one case and doesn't care about the other one. They think the other guy ought to go away forever. Uh, and th- I think that community support for athletics, they're, they're willing to give athletes the benefit of the doubt. They want them to be successful because they want the team to be uh, successful. Uh, that feeling is, is out there. And I think that kind of societal support for student-athletes uh, drives this as well. Kind of a difficult time to get something new going in a, in a pandemic, huh? It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, we thought stop and think about the problems that we're having. This, I heard you guys earlier talking, like the officials. I hadn't even thought about the officials. That, that's a terrible problem. And so hotels, we've got all of these COVID, they're all over the place, COVID yeah. problems that we're going to add on top of it, uh, this kind of follow the money, because that's mm-hmm. really what it's about is following yeah. the money. Uh, those are always difficult, uh, as it were. I mean, this isn't like uh, ba- in, uh, North Carolina basket weaving. This is money. This is money. You know, I think uh, Brad had a good point, Brad Underwood, when he said he he favors Big Ten games only, and I think that's part of the reason. You can have a little more control over that. You could. Uh, He's really worried about not being able to play. All right. of a sudden, he loses a player for 21 days. I heard you guys. Oh, my. One one oh positive, and that guy's out 21 days. That's incredible. Well, this is one example of if you stay around long enough, you'll see everything, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I guess I'll be sitting back. I probably won't be involved in this. I think you and I, Steve Beckett, uh, we've missed out on an opportunity ourselves. We should have been out there promoting Lauren Tate at the restaurant. Come see Lauren <laughs> that's Tate. Right. Yeah, that's Come true. get an autograph. That's Nobody true. show up. I, t- I tell you, the, the one thing that's going to evolve in this is going to be recruiting. When you start, uh, when you start allowing players to be paid basically because of their university connection while they're still in high school, I think that's going to be a problem. I think it is, and it's going to be difficult to regulate it. Yeah. Because they're not on campus, see? Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be a lot more difficult to regulate. You've had some interesting experiences in your career involving sports anything that stands out of your mind well I'll never forget the the day the Saturday that Craig Swope was found not guilty um it was in Springfield and and uh, we found the not guilty of course the the press all wanted to talk to Craig and you know and answer questions etc but we wanted to hop in the car Illinois playing Missouri that day and we wanted to get back you know to the game and my wife was at the game and she told me that the not guilty hit the radio and you could just feel the buzz as it went around the stadium. And so we drove as fast as we could, obeying no speed limits, uh, <laughs> back from Springfield. And we got here right at the end of the game. And I think we won that game right at the end of the game, as I recall. Um, and we actually uh, uh, ran through the crowd, parked the car illegally, ran through the crowd and got into the locker room. It was just an absolutely incredible experience. Absolutely incredible. Those the, the players, the coaches, you know, were so uh, happy for Craig. I'm just really just an observer, and I got to see it. So, I mean, that was an absolute uh, delight. And then 
another experience, I guess I would say, is about 30 years ago, almost right now, yep. Deion Thomas was yep. uh, found eligible, even though we had all the problems with the NCAA. Deion Thomas was eligible to play basketball after the, that idiot from Iowa. So those those two experiences stand out pretty well. Yeah, that that uh, this, that whole affair with with Dion that lasted way too long. He set out a whole year of, of just absolute misery. Just well, I, I people ask me about that, and I say that really shows the, the character of the man. Really does because it, it would have been so easy for him to just walk away from it, yeah. and he stood and and fought the fight. And I mean, we look and see what he's done for himself and where he is today. I'm just, I'm so proud of him. He, uh, he's like a son. He's, he calls my, calls my wife mom. So uh, we're very, very happy for him. Okay. Well, that's, I don't have anything else to throw in. Uh, uh, we like your legal approach to things and your study on that. Obviously, you put in some time on this. Well, yeah. I, I didn't want to come in and sound like I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> Well, anytime we have a, a legal issue, we call you, Steve, so just stay available. Glad to do it. Well, the timing of this is going to be something to watch, too, and actually— Hey, hey, you know, it's almost November, and this thing's in January. True. I mean, it, it's coming up. I mean, it's going to happen right in front well, of us. it's probably happening right now. Yeah. Well, the, the this transfer activity is happening thing right is here. already happening. Everybody that transfers is eligible now. I mean, it's they just automatic because they know it's coming in in January anyway— so why make a guy be ineligible for in December for in basketball when he's going to be eligible in January? <laughs> and athletes are getting the opportunity to pick up an additional year as yeah, well. That's that's another one. My goodness. I'm just saying that the agents are out there making their contacts yeah. as we speak. Yeah. And yeah. if you were only a younger guy. If I was only a younger guy. <laughs> Steve, we appreciate your time. Thanks. Thank you. As Steve Beckett, everybody, it is 1024. We'll take a time out. And be back with more on IPella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. Ten twenty-six, on IPella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until eleven. Thanks to the guests that we've had uh, so far. As we move away, uh, move along. Phone line still open three five six nine three nine seven. And we welcome to the program Mike Raycraft, who is a clinical associate professor, U of I Applied Health Sciences, Department of Recreation and Sport and Tourism. That's a big, long title, Mike. Good morning, and uh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No problem. You've got uh, a symposium coming up that uh, has been going on for a while at the U of I. Last year it uh, honored Red Grange and some... Uh, situation surrounding his life. This one involves everybody's favorite basketball coach in these parts, Lou Henson. Tell us a little more about that, if you would. Oh, thank you. Yeah, our symposium this year is in its 18th year. It honors Al Sapora. Um, oh, it's named for him. He was a longtime professor in our department, and he was also an, an NCAA champion wrestler in the late 30s. And it focuses on inspiring practitioners, which is what Al was all about. This year, our theme is on social justice and sport, which I think is, a, given our current times, it's a particularly relevant uh, topic. And as we put our program together, it was very, very evident knowing kind of the career and, back, and background of Coach Henson, the impact he made, that uh, he was an obvious uh, figure to, to dedicate this year's event to. And so we're excited to have a tribute to him uh, on October the 28th. 
Okay, and that'll be done uh, virtually this year, which gives you a little um, little bit of a challenge, but it is, makes it quite interesting as well, right? Actually, the virtual thing and the whole impact of Zoom has been a positive, I think, because what it has done, it's really opened the event up. And one thing I think we're really excited about is, especially uh, with, with Coach Henson, is we can have a public event and people from all over the country, his fans uh, from all over, can, can come and celebrate and, and learn kind of a different side of the man. You've got an interesting list of uh, speakers for this. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. Our panel this year, um, well, clearly the person who probably would know the most and uh, most of, of Coach would, would be Mary. And so Mrs. Henson is going to join us. Um, his nephew, uh, Mark Coombs, longtime assistant coach at, at both in Champaign and Chicago. Um, Dr. Ed Hightower, who certainly as a, as a longtime, uh, well-tenured referee is going to have a, a perspective. Uh, Rob Evans, who Rob Evans was hired by coach at New Mexico State in 1968. He was one of the first African-American coaches in D1 basketball. Um, and then Jim Phillips. And Jim is the AD at Northwestern and was a, was a manager uh, to Coach Henson and was a long time, but they were very, very close. And so I think we're going to be able to shed a – that panel is going to shed a new light on, on the man and, and really kind of talk about a backstory to, to Lou that maybe a lot of people don't know. How long – this is on the 28th of October. How long does it last? The program will start at 6 uh, and should go about an hour and a half. And basically – Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you, you're going basically going back to the, the beginnings with Lou, I take it, or all the way back to, to high school and on beyond? We're going to focus a, a lot on Hard Simmons mm-hmm. and New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and really why he's such a nice tie-in with our theme this year, is his coach was doing some, he did some amazing things at, at Hard Simmons with integration. You mm-hmm. know, and when he took that job, he required that they integrate the program, which in, in in fact, actually integrated the entire campus. Really? And so, right. And, and he was also their athletic director, and he added women's sports at Hardin-Simmons. Now, this is at a time, keep in mind, we're, we're three or four years in front of Title IX. And so the thing about the thing about Lou was he was doing all this stuff before, you know, it was he was supposed to. He was doing it because it was the right thing to do. Uh, when he hired Coach Evans at New Mexico State, he was one of the first handful, I'm thinking, first three or four African-American coaches hired. You know, he didn't have to do that, and he did it because that's, he thought it was the right thing to do, which I think is uh, very inspiring. By the way, other than Lou Henson, who are others that you're going to be dealing – who are their uh, special well, – we're, go ahead. We're doing, we're doing a panel all month long, once a week, where we're looking at different aspects of social justice. Um, we're, we've got uh, Tatiana McFadden is going to join us. Uh, we're, we're bringing in uh, Coach Teresa Grintz, who many of your listeners, I'm sure, know, know quite well um, in terms of she'll talk about her basketball career early on, and she's been involved with women in sport, you know, for 50 years. Uh, Tal Brody, we're excited about. Tal Brody is going to join us uh, in December. And we've got some executives coming in from the Milwaukee Bucks to talk about the whole Kenosha situation and pro sports response to, to, to current events. Um, and, and some people from the Chicago Blackhawks talking about their uh, uh, Hockey is for Everyone initiative. So can anybody get involved in, in viewing this? You don't have to be a student, do you? 
don't have to register. You don't have to be a student. It'll be open to the public. Uh, it'll be it'll be broadcast in a lot of forums online. I think the, the probably the easiest one would be going to the ahs.illinois.edu/henson. Um, it'll be there. You just click on a button and you can watch the whole thing. And that is October the 28th, Wednesday evening, starting at 6, correct? That's correct. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. We enjoyed uh, visiting with you last year and talking to some of your people on the uh, Red Grange Symposium. Kind of an interesting uh, interesting uh, educational piece there that uh, seems to be going well. We pr- I appreciate the time this morning. You bet. Mike Raycraft, right, everybody, you. from the U of I, you too. 10.33 is the time here on the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line open, 356-9397. And speaking of the good folks at uh, the Pella Window Store, they've got a line of products called the Pella Lifestyle Series. Wood windows and patio doors providing outstanding uh, sound control, all at an amazing value. Most styles are available with triple-paying glass, which can improve energy conservation. Had some hailstorms here over the summer that uh, may have caused some damage to your windows, doors, or screens. So the folks at the Pella Window Store would be uh, great folks to call on that. You can personalize solutions for each room in your home with available product packages as well. The uh, Pella Lifestyle Series of Windows and Doors are designed to uh, last for many, many years. You don't do this project very often. And uh, they're finished for their exclusive EnduraGuard wood protection and EnduraClad aluminum-clad exterior Pella Lifestyle Series incorporates everything you love about wood, beauty, durability, and style flexibility. Give them a call at the Pella Window Store, 356-6474 in Champaign, or check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. Visit the showroom Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. That's the Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. We'll take a time out. Be back with more. We'd love to hear from you on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 10.36 is the time. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Next week on the show, we hope to have a good time talking about the Illinois-Wisconsin game, hopefully talking about a fighting Illini victory on the road. It will be an upset, though, Lauren, if it happens, according to all the so-called experts there. Of course, it was a big upset last year. Well, I think what we have a habit of doing, and and I don't think there's anything wrong with it, is that we always um, evaluate teams preseason based on the previous years. And I I say more than just one year, but the previous years. uh, Teams that have been good for – a team that has been good like Wisconsin has for 20-some-odd years, uh, there's no reason to think that they're going to be any less – uh, outstanding this season. I mean, he, they're going to. They're going to. I think they're the favorite. Um, they've kind of replaced Nebraska as the perennial. You know, for years Nebraska would be ranked high, more highly than they were able to perform based on their history, and they've fallen off. But Wisconsin, there's no reason to think they've fallen off. Well, they've got it to where a lot of programs would like to be, including Illinois. Yep. Where you just reload yep. from year to year. It hadn't always been that way. You and I remember when oh, man. we covered the games when Illinois dominated Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Wisconsin was terrible for Even a long time. Even early in the Barry Alvarez coaching uh, I regime. think he won one game his first year. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, nobody knew uh, much about Barry Alvarez, but he got things turned around to where they just reload. They're nationally ranked right now. 
and uh, their quarterback is going to be a new guy. His name is Graham Mertz, and he's a guy that's a, is a redshirt freshman. He replaces Jack Cohn, who was you know he was an efficient quarterback. He was not a star quarterback that's for right. them. But uh, when you got a guy like Jonathan Taylor in the backfield rushing for just over two thousand yards, you don't need to be doing a whole lot at the quarterback position. Well, they're uh, they're telling you in advance what they're going to do. This is the case. Can you stop them? And I don't know if the, if the Illinois defensive line and linebackers are good enough. I mean, they're they're certainly experienced enough, but I don't know if they're if they're good enough to stop them. That'll be the that'll be the story. I mean, we just when we start watching that game, we just can Illinois stop them from running the ball down their throat? Wisconsin was ten and three last year, and uh, coming off a uh, seven and two Big Ten mark. Now, first loss, the first loss of the season was right here in Champaign. Yeah. That was the last time we talked to Barry Alvarez. We tried to, to get Barry this morning, and uh, apparently he's run into some difficulties, so we're not going to get him. But uh, um, that was their first loss and kind of stunned the nation on the field goal by James McCourt, 39-yarder as time ran out. Well, Illinois uh, uh, ran out of gas toward the end. They lost their last three games last year because, I'd say, because more than anything, a lack of depth. When you lose Hanson at linebacker, you lose Josh Jumanabebe at receiver, your top receiver. They had Peters was out some games. That that really hurt Illinois at the end of the depth is really crucial in this game of football, and it'll be even more crucial this season because you're liable to lose players through the virus or or through more. Always you lose players due to injury. You have to have backups. Let's go back to the telephones and Marty from Pinehurst, North Carolina, checking in as he many times does on Saturday morning. Hey, Marty, good to hear from you. What's up? Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Still watching my guy Rosarina play pretty well, Steve, <laughs> by the way. Um, anyway, question. If I've been reading and listening, I've been hearing that People who play football this season, that year of eligibility is not going to be held against them. Am I correct in that? That's correct so far. So if they do that, am I correct that maybe a player who thinks he's an NFL prospect, if he has a good year, then he's leaving for the draft. But if he has a not-so-good year, he might want to come back so he can have another shot at the bite of the apple next year. Is that kind of the way people are going to be thinking about this? Yes. That. Doesn't that put some of these programs in strange financial situations in a time that's already financially, you know? Yeah, financial, but I, I don't know how financial it'll be if they keep the limit at eighty-five. It's the same number they'll be playing. The, well, how paying. do you do that when you got scholarships committed to freshmen coming in? Well, you're asking the uh, the question that nobody's answered. No one knows the answer to. Okay. Well, I, the, well, I the, that's why when you said that there, I said so far. Because yeah. some kind of a ruling is going to have to be made somewhere along the line. Because one would think so. You're not going to you're not going to allow schools to pull out on the off on the, uh, the signees that have already signed up as you no. know to come in as freshmen. Maybe they, they won't be able to, to keep some it. of those seniors. I don't know. I I don't. I think they're probably going to have to move it up to 95 or something like that for one year yeah. Or, yeah. until they can figure this thing out. But uh, interesting. This means that the sophomores remain sophomores, the freshmen remain freshmen, and the seniors remain seniors. Yeah, that's almost like some extra redshirting, isn't it, Lauren? Yeah, yeah, and 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 Illinois has got a bunch of players. They got a bunch of veteran players, and we just talked about two of them today, uh, Gay and yeah. and Carney. They're seniors. 
they could come back next year's uh, as far as we know right now if they wanted to I don't know how many will want to but but We've got a whole offensive line of seniors. We've Brandon Peters could come back. Blake That's Hayes could come back. Absolutely. James McCourt could come back. That's absolutely. what I'm thinking. If, if, if some of these guys that are top better players come back, then a team that might not have been so good next year might be a lot better than people think. Oh, well, I, I, yeah. If, if I've been saying all along my, my concerns about Illinois football are next year. Well, they're not. Yeah, exactly. You can write that off now. What you got, yeah. Steve? I I was I was reading that somewhere online, and I was thinking, well, that's kind of strange. But how are they going to? They're going to have to make some change, but they probably will. That might be good for Illinois, actually, and for the recruiting the way it's been. It might be a good deal. Hey, Marty, appreciate it. Uh, silver cloud. Yep, yeah, appreciate your call. We're going to move along. We uh, right. take care. We, take you care. bet. Thanks, Marty. Always uh, calls in. This is Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve <laughs> Kelly, and we're happy to welcome to the program Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez. Good morning, Barry. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. A little difficulty getting in touch with you, but we're glad we finally did. And uh, I know that you're getting excited, as we all are, about uh, the start of Big Ten football coming up next Friday night, and the Badgers and the Illini get to kicking off uh, Friday night at Camp Randall Stadium. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, boy, there's a, so much that's happened in the last few months, but uh, talk a little bit about your role and getting us to where we are now and, and how do you feel about uh, the opener next week? Well, I'm, I'm really excited that, uh, that our athletes get a chance to play and people get a chance to see Big Ten football. You know, it's, it's been really difficult watching other leagues play and us sitting and watching and not participating so uh i'm anxious and i'm sure particularly our student athletes and coaches are anxious to play you've got kind of a unique perspective in your situation because you have a grandson on the team in jake ferguson and and you're talking to um recruits and uh, not necessarily recruits but players parents and such and trying to keep everybody safe Uh, how difficult has that process been for you as an administrator well, you know, the first thing that, that we take a look at, we want to make sure that our that our student athletes are are healthy and their safety is, is, is the utmost importance. Uh, we wanted to make sure before we moved forward uh, and played that uh, we felt comfortable with their safety. And, uh, you know, it's been a difficult process. And, you know, it's difficult in the middle of a pandemic to, to uh, play football, but uh, with the testing that we have available and doing it every day, uh, it's going to allow our guys to, to have an opportunity to play. And I feel comfortable with it. Hey, Barry, this is Lauren. Uh, I understand you're you're uh, in Branson, Missouri, at a at a reunion. Is that right? I am. I'm down here with uh, five guys that I coached in 1978 at Mason City, Iowa. Wow. Coached into a state championship and. We're just leaving, walking off the golf course right now. <laughs> okay. You played early, huh? We got up early and played. We played nine, only nine holes, but uh, really good. These guys have come from California, and uh, one, of my, one of my guys, uh, Scott Reardon, has a place down here. So uh, some came from Iowa, some one from Colorado, one from Chicago. So uh, it's, 
been a it's been a great couple two days. Well, that's terrific. Well, now I'm going to take you back to your uh, to, to when you were involved with the scheduling for the Big Ten. What was that like? That you you finally put together a third schedule. What were the problems in that? You were in charge of that. How did you do that? Well, we actually had four different uh, models that we presented to the chancellors and presidents. Uh, you know, we met. Uh, my committee consisted of football coaches and athletic directors, and uh, you know, we met and, and threw around a, a number of things, number of different starting times. Uh, we worked very closely with with Fox and the TV people about, you know, what would work for them. And, uh, you know, it took a long time. It, it, it really was a tedious uh, process to get through and, and get, get everyone to, you know, to buy in and think that this was the right thing to do, the right time to start. Uh, you know, you had to make sure that, again, your players, you felt comfortable with your players, uh, their safety, and uh, make the season worthwhile. You know, you had a lot of guys trying to decide whether they want to play or, you know, go into the draft or opt out. And so, you know, you had to play enough games. You had to give uh, enough time for, for the players uh, to, to re. You know, the, the number one thing was 2021 or 2021, you wanted to make sure that that was normal and get back to normalcy and, and – uh, you had to give the players enough time. That's why the spring didn't make a lot of sense. They wouldn't have enough time to recover. So all those things came into play, and uh, I think we came up with a very good plan. How did it, uh, you settle on Friday night for the Wisconsin-Illinois opener? Well, that was, uh, you know, there are so many Friday games. That's a, uh, we, we volunteered. I know Josh uh, was in favor of it. I, I, I really liked that, that opportunity. We'll kick off our league, um, the league game, and then it gives you an extra day for the for preparation for your next game. So uh, we were in favor of it. The Illinois wanted to play it, and uh, it just worked out that way. I got a, a I like it. I, I I got a favorite thing I like to ask. Why if since you have East and West divisions. Why don't you just keep the standings for the teams that play in each division? Because the reason I'm at, I'm saying this is because team you might have played the worst teams in the other division, or you might play the best. It doesn't seem to me to be fair. What's your reaction to that? I, I agree with you 100. percent Well, that's, that's okay. Exactly what I, <laughs> I, I, I think I think that's the way it should be. Uh, that's not the way it came out. That's not way, the way we're going to decide the, the champion. But, uh, you know, it should be the best team. It should be the best record against the teams in that conference or in that division. Uh, I agree. But, uh, unfortunately, the, the rest of the athletic directors not, did not agree with it. A couple more minutes with Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez. Badgers coming off a 10-3 and season. They're... In this ranking this week, ranked number 16, what can you tell us about the Wisconsin team uh, without giving away too many secrets, but uh, certainly starting with the loss of uh, Jonathan Taylor, who's doing well at the next uh, next level. But uh, talk a little bit about the team and what do you expect from the Badgers? Well, you know, I think defensively we've got a lot of players back. I think we should be solid on defense. Uh, offensively, you lose a guy like Jonathan Taylor, right? That position probably is going to be done 
with with a number of people playing it. Uh, so you, you don't have a you know one person that would carry the load like Jonathan did. You know, Jack Cohn was a very steady quarterback for us the last two years. He broke his foot during camp. Uh, so, you know, Graham Mertz would be a first-time starter. So, uh, you know, first games are going to answer a lot of questions or a lot of question marks for everybody going into a first game. But uh, all in all, I think we have enough experience uh, in our offensive line. And uh, I really like our tight end. And <laughs> <laughs> As you might, right? Well, he's yeah. he, he's a it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, he's an All-American candidate, and uh, comes back and uh, is he? If I'm not uh, mistaken, he's your second grandson to play for the Badgers. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. My my oldest grandson, Joe, played played safety for us. Had a nice career. Well, I'll say this: uh, he sure caught some nice passes against Illinois last year. Uh, I remember that name Ferguson popping up time after time. He seemed to be able to get wide open out there, and he sure made some good catches. But uh, the line I made an interception late that turned the game around, uh, Barry. I guess you remember that. Yeah. I, I can't forget that. <laughs> How can I forget that? that? Illinois played great. We uh, we turned it over a bunch, and and made, you know we just we didn't play particularly well. But give Illinois a lot of credit. I thought they really played well. Well, I'm going to ask you the question about transfers because Illinois is going to have about a dozen of them when we go come to to Madison, and they're playing key roles uh, for Lovey Smith. What has been the Wisconsin approach to transfers? I don't see you doing much of that in football or basketball. No, we we haven't. You know, one transfer that we did take a few the first time they had first time around with the grad transfer was Russell Wilson, but uh, we we really don't have. I don't think we have it. We have one transfer punter came in from Dubuque. That's, I think that's the only transfer we have. Our program's built on uh, developing players, recruiting and developing players. Uh, what are your concerns relative to the surrounding area in Madison with the pandemic? It just seemed like it's breaking out in Wisconsin for some reason. How, how do you explain that? Um, you know, I had a good visit with Mark Murphy, the, the general manager of the Packers, and he, he thinks he thinks it's because of our drinking culture in Wisconsin. Really? I can't argue with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if the bars are open, they're going to be full in Wisconsin. Well, Barry, we appreciate your time. I appreciate you getting back with us, and uh, always good to talk football with you, and we're excited, as you are, I'm sure, of getting this underway next weekend. Yep, I have too. Well, good talking with you guys. Hey, thanks a lot, Barry. That's Barry Alvarez, Wisconsin Athletic Director here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. His grandson, Jake Ferguson, he wears number 84. You'll hear his name called a lot. He has 69 career receptions and six touchdowns at the uh, tight end position for the Badgers. you gotta, you got to watch him because when they throw, they're going to be looking at him. Yep. 10.53, we'll take our final break and be back with more on this edition of the show after this. Stay with us. We've got five minutes before 11 o'clock, 356-9397, if you want to squeeze in here before we go. Barry Alvarez, 
we had him set up to be our first guest at nine o'clock and then apparently a golf game came up so i can't <laughs> fault him on that <laughs> but it was good of him to get back with us and uh, pop on with us yeah, he, I I was in contact with him last night, so I I I, knew, I didn't know anything about the golf. I don't think he knew anything. No, about they the were golf. sitting around last night, probably saying, "Hey, let's let's play nine tomorrow That's morning." Right. Okay, again, can't call fault the guy for that. But uh, looking forward to the uh, Big Ten football season. I was sad to, this week to see about the passing of uh, former Centennial baseball coach Benny Bryant. Really a good guy. He coached there for a long time. He was. I think in his late 80s. Oh, yeah. I had a lot, of, a lot of good discussions with Benny. He's a, he was a fun guy to talk to. Now, your son, Travis, did not play for him, did he? No. Uh, Benny, had, I, think, I think he had just retired from coaching about that time. Mm-hmm. So sad to see that. We had a caller point that out and uh, did see it in the paper. There's a life remembered in today's edition of the paper if you want to read more about uh, Benny Bryant. So Illinois will head to Madison on Thursday, they're going to bus to Madison. Normally, team flies, but they're going to bus. For the, I hear eight buses, I think, are going to. Eight? <laughs> that's what I hear, because they're going to spread people out. Is that right? I was going to say they're not taking the cheerleaders. They're not taking the band. They're not taking hardly anybody that isn't necessary, are they? Nope. You're no. necessary, however. No, we're not necessary. We're not traveling with them. I know, we're, but we're, you're necessary because you're going to be there. Yeah, we're traveling on our own, and the plan is to... Uh, be there. A lot of radio crews in the Big Ten and across the country are not traveling. Um, the Learfields of the world and the IMGs of the world uh, have decided in some cases to um, play it safe. Ohio State was one of the first radio crews uh, to be announced that they were not traveling. Yeah. And, you know, and so Jay it's Lehman, not budgetary. Jay Lehman will be doing his TV uh, broadcasting from Chicago, I guess, or yeah. home. Hey. I haven't heard how that's going to be, but uh, that's been that's been done before. They've done games remotely before on TV, so it can be done. Well, they're doing it now with the baseball playoffs. They're doing it with a lot of the NFL games. They have did it with PGA golf, where Nick Faldo was in Orlando and the, yeah. the golf tournament was in California. Yeah. So those, sometimes you don't even know yeah. until you really try to pay attention and you figure it out. So some of those things can be done, and... I'm getting excited now to, to to have something to focus on as far as preparation goes. And then once you get started and really into that, basketball starts. And you're going to be real sleepy next uh, Saturday morning. Yeah, we're planning. Ed Bond and Martin O'Donnell and I are planning on driving to Madison on Friday, getting there by mid-afternoon to, to get the booth set up. We'll do the game and drive back. And that would mean uh, 11 o'clock So if I'm start. not here at 9 o'clock Saturday morning, you'll... <laughs> You'll carry on by yourself. You'll be here, but you'll be sleepy. Ed, how long a drive is it to Madison? We've done it. I think it's about four hours. Yeah, it's no more than that, especially overnight. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully there won't be a lot of traffic, but that Interstate 39 is the old straight shot north-south. We won't have to um, worry about the uh, game day traffic getting out of the way, will we? No fans. (laughs) I hope to have our parking spot in the south end zone and just walk right in. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, you got to hope for something, right? Yeah. Boy, I remember the last time we parked at, at Wisconsin, and that, that place must have been five blocks, six blocks away. 
It was a long walk. I remember that. There are places like that in the Big Ten. People have around here that cover Illinois and spoiled. come to games and get spoiled <laughs> quite a bit. You could park right next to the stadium here. and I'm going to be parked right next to my refrigerator. There you go. <laughs> well, that's going to take care of this edition of the show. We appreciate you being with us. Thanks to, uh, to our guests, Barry Alvarez. Earlier in the um, first hour, we talked uh, Illinois football with defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsay. Brad Underwood joined us for about 20 minutes. We also had Steve Beckett in for a little bit of uh, lawyer talk. And then Mike Raycraft from the U of I about uh, the Lou Henson virtual symposium coming up on October 30th. We'll talk to you next week right here. Our pregame coverage, by the way, we'll tell you more about that as the week moves along. But in a 7 o'clock game, our pregame coverage will begin at 5 next week here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Thanks to our producer, Blake Landa. For Lauren Tate, Ed Bond, and Blake, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.